So we don't have the regular, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't have the regular mic this morning because I'm not going to be doing a whole lot of speaking this morning. Um, this isn't a preaching Sunday. This isn't a, um, even a teaching Sunday, but it's going to be a more collaborative learning Sunday. And we are going to begin our um, Sunday morning collaboration with a reading um, of the book of Jonah. We're starting into Jonah for the next five weeks, and this is our first uh, toe in the water with a story. So if the readers can come forward. Oh. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, a Mittite son. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. But God sent a huge storm at sea, the waves towering. The ship was about to break into pieces. The, the sailors were terrified. They called out in desperation to their gods. They threw everything they were carrying overboard to lighten the ship. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship to take a nap. He was sound asleep. The captain came to him and said, What is this? Sleeping? <laughs> Get up! Wake your God! Maybe your God will see we're in trouble and rescue us. Then the sailors said to one another, Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's draw straws to identify the culprit on the ship who responsible for this disaster. So they drew straws. Jonah got the short straw. Then they grilled him. Confess! Why this disaster? What is your work? Where do you come from? What country? What family? He told them. I'm a Hebrew. I worship God, the God of heaven who made the sea and land. At that, the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, What on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized that he was running away from God. They said to him, What are we going to do with you to get rid of this storm? By this time, the sea was wild, totally out of control. Jonah said, Throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of this storm. Get rid of me, and you'll get rid of the storm. But no. The men tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. Then they prayed to God. Oh God, don't let us drown because of this man's life, and don't blame us for his death. You are God. Do what you think is best. They took Jonah and threw him overboard. Immediately the sea was quieted down. The sailors were impressed, no longer terrified by the sea, but in awe of God. They worshipped God, offered a sacrifice, and made vows. Then God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in this fish's belly three days and nights. 
Then Jonah prayed to his God from the belly of the fish. He prayed. In trouble, deep trouble, I prayed to God. He answered me. From the belly of the grave, I cried, help. You heard my cry. You threw me into ocean's depths, into a watery grave, with ocean waves, ocean breakers crashing over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. I'll never again lay eyes on your holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea where the mountains take root. I was as far down as a body can go, and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Yet you pulled me up from that grave alive, God, my God. When, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God, and my prayer got through to you, made it all the way to your holy temple, to those who worship hollow gods, gods frauds. Walk away from their only true love, but I'm worshiping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving, and I'll do what I promised to do. Salvation belongs to God. Then God spoke to the fish, and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. This time, Jonah started off straight for Nineveh, obeying God's orders to the letter. Nineveh was a big city, very big. It took three days to walk across it. Jonah entered the city, went one day's walk, and preached, In 40 days, Nineveh will be smashed. The people of Nineveh listened and trusted God. They proclaimed a citywide fast and dressed in burlap to show their repentance. Everyone did it, rich and poor, famous and obscure, leaders and followers. When the message reached the king of Nineveh, he got up off his throne, threw down his royal robes, dressed in burlap, and sat down in the dirt. Then he issued a public proclamation throughout Nineveh, authorized by him and his leaders. Not one drop of water, not one bite of food for man, woman, or animal, including your herds and flocks. Dress them all, both people and animals, in burlap, send up a cry for help to God. Everyone must turn around, turn back from an evil life and the violent ways that stay in their hands. Who knows? Maybe God will turn around and change his mind about us. Quit being angry with us and let us live. God saw what they had done, that they had turned away from their evil lives. He did change his mind about them. What he said he would do to them, he didn't do. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were at sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said... What do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. 
He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broadleaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up. But then God sent a worm. By dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. <laughs> then God said to Jonah, What right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, Plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, What's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted nor watered it. I grew up one night and died. Oh, it grew up one night. <laughs> it grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't yet know right from wrong, to say nothing of all the innocent animals. Okay, so we listened to Jonah. Um, in starting off this five-week series, we wanted to have an overview and hear the whole thing. It's a short story. Um, so what did you hear that you haven't heard before? French accent. French accent? <laughs> Which I thought was kind of interesting because some of the reading I did sound like the sailors might have been going to Spain, so I wondered if their <laughs> accents might pop up. Um, what else? Anything else surprise you? Wow, a really large area. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why he was so opposed to going there. Yep. Anybody else? Gabe? Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Jonah going off in a sulk or being really angry and upset with God. Yeah. Anything else surprise you? from a very um, trapped place. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> we might go there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And they all mattered. Everybody mattered. Um, anyone else? Go ahead. Bad attitudes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jason. Yeah. Even in that place. Aris. Anyone else? Misty? Interesting unity. I was anybody else? David? Yes. Right. Um, what kind of a story is Jonah? I mean, in some of my reading, um, 
different answers were, were talked about. You have a sense? I mean, some of what was put out there was a history, maybe a prophetic book. It's located in the prophets, um, and it seems like a story. Um, and when I ask those questions, it's more about, does it make a difference to the way in which we read something? Like, if it's a history, um, I, I tend to think, oh, well, these are important people in a particular place in time that may or may not have probably don't have anything to do with me, so it's, I have to make it more interesting in some way to get into history. Um, and if Jonah is a history book, there were some problems that uh, one author I read was noting. Um, some things like, well, if Nineveh was real and if there had been a huge conversion like that, wouldn't there be some archaeological record? Or the, where scholars date the book, it seems like um, it was after the destruction of Nineveh that the book was actually written. So, um, and then there's a the fish thing. So I don't, I don't, and it didn't dismiss it all together. It's just more like, oh, hold that lightly. Um, the author also, I was reading a French uh, theologian, Jacques Ellul, who wrote the book, The Judgment of Jonah. It's really interesting. Um, notes the way in which Jonah is, not, is a prophet and not a prophet. He's located in the prophets, but the typical pattern for an Old Testament prophet um, is that he's a Hebrew prophet preaching to God's chosen people about their own apostasy or their own breaking of their covenant because they had a covenant with God. And Jonah is off type, um, but he's still, because he's, he's a Hebrew prophet being sent far distant um, from his land to a people who do not have a covenant with God and who um, seems like he's being called to preach to his oppressor, maybe, right? So that, the prophetic quality of the book seems really interesting, and it, the author also brought up, like, without prophecy being fulfilled, it's not really um, a prophet, and we don't get that maybe until we come to Jesus and so, or the Messiah. So that's somebody else's week. Um, this morning, what we want to do is engage parable story, because I think that um, our imaginations are engaged differently when we're reading a story. Um, when we read stories, we're freed up to hear our own voice in the narrative and to find ourselves in the story, maybe from different perspectives. Um, maybe the next slide. No, I'm not going to read this, because I want to make sure we have a lot of like discussion time. Um, Yes, the introduction to Jean, Eugene Peterson's The Message of Jonah, he, he talks about the way in which story impacts us differently, how we engage story differently. The laughter this morning, like, lets our guard down um, for the ways in which God uh, wants to break in or does break in and find us in unusual places. Um, let's see. Madeline Langle puts it really simply. She says, stories are what we live by. So this morning, we're going to engage collaboratively in learning um, by trying to get a sense of the characters in the story. We want to sense what the story was like from different locations. And we're going to break into small groups, and we need eight of them. Um, so we are going to look at each character. Um, let me tell you what's going to be in the packet. So each group is going to have a character. They're going to have one of the scripts, which is Eugene Peterson's The Message. Um, we're going to have a character chart, which is just a basic something I use with students when we're working um, on writing or literature analysis. Um, it looks kind of like 
this. There are four boxes, so you can take notes. There will be someone in your group who should probably take notes um, or mark up the script. And it basically, we're just looking at what, the, what does the character do, what do they say, how do others respond to them, what does the narrator indicate about them, do we get a sense of their motivation? Anthony's question is a really good question. You know, why was Jonah so opposed to going to Nineveh? That he would rather go to the opposite end of the earth to escape God than go to Nineveh. Um, and there are a list of questions on the back that says, like, how would you describe your character? And we're going to come back together. Um, and you'll be describing your character for the group. Um, how do they relate to God, which I think is really interesting, and how does God relate to each of the characters? And so we're going to break up into eight small groups. That might be one of them. How about I let you guys break yourselves up? It looks like there's enough group there for one, maybe two, one, two, three, four, five, six, Okay, everyone. You can stay seated where you are. But we want to begin to hear from one another. We've got like five minutes to share what you noticed. So about the sailors and the captain... Are we about ready? Okay, about the sailors and the captain. How would you describe? Uh, how would you describe the sailors and the captain? You can include your thoughts about how they related to God or God related to them. <clears throat> Welcome back. We have some discussion about Jonah going on. So, sailors, who's speaking for the sailors? Sonia's speaking for the sailors. How did God respond? Okay. Of the sailors, hearing the prayers of the sailors? Okay, cool. Anything else about the sailors? Did you learn anything new? Okay. Creation. We, we had um, one group who was looking at how, describing the creation and how God relates to creation. Thank you, Peter. Tim. Hello? Perfect. Awesome. Trisha. Okay. Um, okay, so we talked about, um, all, all of our ideas are like kind of abstract because we were talking about creation as a <clears throat> character. And, which, it, yeah. Uh, one of the things that we really noticed was that in the Old Testament, creation often seems to have its own agency. Like when you think about like the heavens declare the glory of God and like that, they're, they're given these um, verbs that they're doing things, that nature and creation does things on its own and has sort of its own agency. And yet we were noticing that unlike Jonah in this story, the creation is perfectly aligned with the story that God is telling and is participating in the work that God is doing. Um, yeah, it's, it is obedient to what God is doing. Um, 
And we also noticed that it's, it, it, creation is always, um, always evokes a response and a change from every person that encounters the creation in this story. So it's like, it's the way that we interact and are intertwined with nature and with creation um, requires a human response or provokes a human response in the story. Great, so thank yeah, you. Is that it? Okay, what about the Ninevites? Over to, m thanks Peter. Where? To Misty, Jenny, Jay, Mary, Joel, Jennifer. So we really were struck by the, the different kind of lens that the Ninevites kind of impressed upon us this time. We were all kind of thinking the Ninevites were scums growing up. And in the story, they seemed to be pretty obedient and receptive to God's word. Um, also, we had some historical facts that were kind of brought in to just basically say that they were, I mean, they believed they were polytheists. There was like all sorts of religious stuff going on. And yet they responded. And seem to recognize the, the uh, voice of Yahweh. So that was really interesting to us. Mm -hmm. And so a much kind of more lenient, receptive kind of voice coming through the Ninevites than we expected. Great. Thank you. Um, how about uh, Jonah? We're going to maybe start with the Jonah chapter 1 people and then filter our way through. What did you notice about um, Jonah that you may or may not have? What's, how would you describe him? Yeah, so we kind of talked about Jonah... In chapter one, um, getting to the point where he kind of describes who he is, and we spoke a little bit about how he's kind of an extremist, where he he says, you know, he doesn't want to listen to God, so he wants to go to the opposite end of the world. He, you know, waits until they throw out all of their goods off of the boat before he says, wait, you know, now that you don't have anything and you're yeah. going to go hungry, like, I'm actually the problem. Yeah. <laughs> he waits three days in the belly of the fish before he says a grateful prayer. You know, mm -hmm. I shared that, like, I would have said, like, moment one, like, uh -huh. sec one first second, I'd be like, Lord, I'm sorry, thank you, and <laughs> taking me to Nineveh, you know? <laughs> so kind of just how extreme he is, okay. how he's, he, has, he needs to be pushed his limits before he, like, takes action and speaks up. That's interesting. Chapter two was the praise chapter. So we spent uh, the majority of the time kind of talking about what Jonah was saying um, and, and talking about that prayer of lament, which is the majority of chapter two, when he's in the belly of the whale or fish or whatever. Um, and he prays this prayer of lament, which Brad brought up as possibly like prayers that he had heard or, or prayed like in life already is this like kind of a classic prayer of lament um, and, and classic prayer of gratitude. Um, and also that there might be some like kind of bargaining going on almost of like, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'm, I'm here. Like it's been the worst experience of my life. Like I'll do what you want, God. Like this has been awful. I don't want to go through this again, but that there's kind of a lack of like actual change happening. Okay. Um, but that also it's a very emotional time and there's a lot of desperation in that as well. Not that it's like completely lacking in authenticity. Okay, yeah. cool. So maybe he was bargaining with God. And then Jonah, chapter 3 and 4. We only got to chapter 3. Um, but in chapter 3, he goes into Nineveh. And 
starts saying all these things, like this, in 40 days the city will be overthrown. And we were um, talking about how if you were a Ninevite, that might seem a little fishy. Um, but they believed him. Um, and the, the whole city fasted, and they even, even the animals fasted, and, yeah. and we were trying to figure out, like, if they really did, if they really put sackcloth on their animals, and how Stella would do if that was done to her. Um, so, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Cool. Woo. All right. Oh, it's like the Oscars. Kids. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Kids, if you can have a seat for just a minute, find your parent, find an adult, and have a seat. We are finishing. We need to hear the group that had the perspective of God. Okay, hang on just a second. Can everyone find a seat, please? I know. I was like, I know how to wait. I'm a teacher. Does everyone have a parent's lap that they're sitting on? Okay, listening is participation, and we want to listen to the last group that was talking about Jonah, and they were talking about the perspective of God. What did you learn? Um, we noticed a lot of things, and we wondered, the Nineveh tidbits were very helpful, because we did wonder, like, what is the history between Jonah and Nineveh, and why, why is the story developing the way it did? Um, we noticed that God speaks and gives a mandate at the beginning and then doesn't say very much and then says the same exact thing again um, as a point of emphasis. Um, and it's very explicit. There, it's, it's very clear what God wants from Jonah. Um, we also noticed that as far as what motivated God in the story, it seems that God's ability to forgive and redeem people and communities and individuals is the motivation behind each of the things that God does, um, as well as the omnipotence and ability to just, you know, orchestrate creation and respond and cause things to go the way they do. Um, even though God's ability to forgive is constantly questioned, not in the can God do that, but more like should God right. do that is questioned. Right. Um, so we found that really interesting. Um, Did I miss anything? Anything else on yeah. that one? Yeah. I think that those were the cool. main things. Great. Great participation, everyone. Thank you. Um, over the next month, we're going to journey with Jonah to see what his story has to teach us about God, about ourselves as human beings, whether we're the sailors or the Ninevites or whether we're Jonah um, or whether we're creation that evokes a response but is super obedient. Um, and hear what Jonah has to say to us about life. So I'm looking forward to the next four weeks. Um, we're going to move into communion. And Zach, if you want to come up. <laughs>